right, we are back live on Radio Row. Final hour of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app where I am ready to murder Anthony back in D.C. because he played the dog pooping hour open as we have an esteemed journalist on the set. That is the, uh, the laugh of Kevin Blackstone. Uh, you watch him uh, on Around the Horn. You read him in the Washington Post. Or maybe you take his class at University of Maryland. Yeah, how about that? Some people do. Yeah, I mean, look, we're D.C. Station. As you know, you know where you are right now. Absolutely. So you, maybe some of your students are out there listening. Uh, we got one here that's listening on Radio Row. we got Torrance here. Exactly. But maybe Torrance someone's out there driving it. around. I should have uh, made that extra credit. You know? Yeah. Um, I, had a, I had someone we'll to cover look, the Go-Go Kevin, game we'll last take, night, so there we'll, you uh, go. We'll, we'll take the, the <laughs> listeners however we can get them. Uh, if, if it's extra credit in Blackstone's class, excuse me, <laughs> Professor Blackstone's class, then, then so be it. Um, so I would like to get some some sports takes, if you will, out sure. of you. I will reality you in a moment. Uh, but I do want to start with the, the reason that you're kind of here today. You're talking about a study that, that you and your students did um, uh, about youth football in America. T- tell me more about this study and, and what you guys found. Sure, I'll kick it over to Torrance, but um, they wanted to look at... Uh, Tor- we actually, oh, Tor- uh, we're, not we're on, on, we're on, on okay. lights, Torrance. He's listening. All right, he's on... Yeah, good. All right. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you all are familiar with, your listeners are familiar with the data that has suggested that participation in youth football has been declined, in, sure. in a bit of decline. So the students wanted to look at the numbers inside of those numbers. And what they found that was particularly interesting, maybe unnerving, is that while that is true, that is not true when you look at the households of black and brown families. Um, that in those, in those households, participation rates are actually going up slightly. And so the question was why? And through polling and reporting, uh, they found out that black and brown parents see the reward of a potential college scholarship and the lottery ticket of an NFL contract as worth the risk of or, or worth, is, is worth the reward of risking having their kids play tackle football at, an, at an, a very, very young age, between the ages of five and nine, um, while other households are kind of maneuvering away from that. So that's the, that, that was the, the, the real takeaway from, from what they did. And they broke it down into six stories and a video package, traveled around the south and through uh, and out to Fort Washington, uh, uh, Maryland, to really put some blood and flesh on the bones of the data that they, that they, uh, that they found. So I, that leads to, I mean, there's, I, I could honestly talk to you guys about this for an hour, and perhaps when we sure. get back to D.C., uh, Torrance, I'll come out and we can, we can chat about this in a podcast uh, setting where we have the time to do that. Um, but I, I think there's two big things that jump out to me. The healthcare disparities in black and brown communities are very well documented, yep. and I could see that being obviously an issue on the back end if there is some kind of injury. But how much do you think that that plays on the front end where the advice they're getting or the data that families are getting in what is statistically inferior healthcare could be influencing those decisions on the front end? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, hadn't thought about it that way, um, but I would say just looking at the, the, the polling data that that may not even be considered. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that people are thinking necessarily uh, that broad about this issue. From everything the students found out, 
it's a very myopic view. Of very what economically football, driven. Right, that football can do for them. You know, I, I mean, you've, you know the stories. We, we, we write them in the, in the media or you, you, you broadcast them on radio and TV. These feel-good stories about a football scholarship yep. um, benefiting a certain kid and a certain family by making him the first of a, the first in, in, in his family's history to go to college, right? And he's doing so on a college degree. And so I think that's what people think about. And, and with the expense of college these days, um, you know, the competition in sports, uh, particularly at the youth level, where people, where parents think that they can develop their kid into a scholarship uh, earning um, talent uh, is, is, is greater than it's ever been. So I, I think that's the... I think that's the calculus. I don't. I don't think the study revealed anything, you know, anything more than that. But I tell you what, you know, what is disturbing to me about it. Um, there are a lot of things, but one of the things is that, is that a few years ago, and I don't know if you've ever come to the Povich Symposium at the University of Maryland, and we do once once a year in, in November. But one year there was a discussion about football and what was going on in football and CTE, and Bob Costas was on the panel. And Bob Costas said that CTE was an existential threat to football. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember, you remember that? that. Yeah. yeah. And it caused a lot of consternation with the league. And at the time, um, just for people that don't remember it, like Bob Costas was still doing Sunday Night Football pre and post on NBC. Exactly. And so you have the league's uh, face of the big's league is the, the league's biggest partner going, "Hey, this is a red flag, red <laughs> flag, red flag." You're exactly you're exactly right, and it, it cost him. But so then I juxtaposed that moment to this study, and this study suggests that whether, if that's true, the remedy is, is that black kids and Hispanic kids are the remedy to this because they and their parents or guardians are disregarding the risk factor because the reward seems so tremendous. So the study, Kevin Blackstone, Professor Kevin Blackstone, very specifically with us here on the Hoffman Show. Um, you specifically said the study is ages five through nine, and I feel like a lot of football in that age group has switched to flag, um, and there is a lot, obviously, to be gained. I mean, we, I think obviously everyone would agree, like there's so much to gain from playing team sports and exactly. uh, all that kind of stuff, and we're people go like, all right, well, flag football is a way that we can still accomplish so many of those things, even if they don't have to crash their little heads into each other. Have you seen a shift in that, or was there any anecdotal data about a shift in black and brown communities to flag football, or do you think, and and could that be kind of a next step? And and what, I guess, really, this this might be the hour version of the podcast, right? Is like, what are the forces that need to happen to push it in in that safer direction while still leaving the door of opportunity open? Well, you know what? For the second year in a row, the Pro Bowl was flag football. Yeah, and why was the pro why was the Pro Bowl turned into a flag football event? Because then Sean players, Taylor can't can't lay out a punter. <laughs> that too, but because of injury, right? Right. So they wanted to take the injury equation out by playing um, by playing flag football, uh, and I think that can be um, a remedy. There can be. A number of remedies, but the bottom line to that is what you're suggesting is what needs to be done is that some guardrails need to put up around youth football. And 
no one's going to the, – the parents aren't necessarily going to do it. Certainly the kids aren't going to do it. They just want to emulate the people that they, they see on, on Sunday. Right. Um, so if not, if, if not them, then who? Um, state legislatures need to get involved. Um, youth f- football organizers maybe need to get involved. Um, you know, the NFL does have their – flag football program and a lot of ex-players are in it and they're they're promoting that and i think i think that's a good thing um but there probably need to be and you know people hate rules and regulations but there probably need to be more rules and regulations just a few days ago jama the the journal for the american medical association turned out a new study which showed that adolescent tackle football players suffer brain injury yeah, I mean, to me, you know, you know, that's enough. I don't, it seems I, to be a significant data point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we, you, you may want to we, we, we may want to pay attention to that. Um, you know, I don't know if you have you, you have kids or not. Or, not yet. And at some point, you know, you have to figure that out. I have a daughter who had no who has no interest in playing tackle football or football, period. So that's not a decision that I had to make. But, you know, I grew up in the D.C. area playing in the Green Meadows Boys and Girls Club, 65-pound football, then 75-pound, then 85-pound, and right. the next thing you know, you're in, you know, you're in high school playing football. And, of course, this, none of this was a consideration, but it should be now. For sure. All right, I'm going to have you take your professor hat off for a second, and yeah. I'm going I'm to have you put your uh, around-the-horn panelist uh, hat <laughs> on, uh, in part also because we are a little short on time, and I do sure. want to get uh, this into you. So the nice tight, tight TV answer lightning, here. Lightning answer. Uh, the new commander's administration, Adam Peters at GM, Dan Quinn as head coach. What do you think? My goodness, I love it. But then again, Mickey Mouse could have come in and probably put together <laughs> a more favorable operation than we had before. But, no, I really do – I, I love the hire of, of Adam Peters. Um, in, in fact, I got a couple texts from, from cats in the league. As soon as they hired, they were like, this is a great move. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Um, you know, I was surprised by Dan Quinn uh, hiring, but after talking to some people who've been paying very, very close attention to it and talking to people around the league, it's a good move. Um, I'm, I'm excited about well, Joe Witt is a no-brainer. And there are a lot of, there's, there's suggestion out there from people I know back in Dallas that Joe Witt wasn't going to become a D.C. And that made him very available when Dan Quinn got hired. Mm. Um, and I'm not down on Cliff Kingsbury. I know a lot of people are. Um, but, uh, you know, his offenses are fun. And you're going to have a new quarterback. You better have a new quarterback. Right. Um, and this is one of the things that he's proven he can do. He develops quarterbacks, uh, young quarterbacks. So, finally, the ship seems to have been turned around and headed in the right direction after being listless, if not sinking at sea, for well over a decade. Yeah. So, as someone who grew up in Washington, D.C., as someone who grew up in a, in a family that had uh, season tickets since before I was even born – um, who lost all of his enthusiasm for this team under the previous ownership, and I know I'm not alone. I am ecstatic about the direction that they appear to be headed. 
Well, hopefully we can get a chance to talk about it more. Let's uh, let's get the three of us and maybe Torrance, some of your classmates. People watching on YouTube are like, "Is Torrance over?" There? Yeah, Torrance is, is on the <laughs> other right side of the camera. I'm looking up over the camera. Uh, let's get let's get together in DC uh, when it. we all get back and, and have a deeper discussion on this. This was great. Thank Appreciate you very much. You. Appreciate uh, it's it. It's Kevin Blackstone, everybody. Uh, I believe Dave Johnson's joining us ahead of the Wizards game next. Oh. All right, we're live on Radio Row, Las Vegas, Nevada, where it rained yesterday. Very bizarre. Uh, but we are live on Radio Row. Uh, what a day it has been. Day one for us out here ahead of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, Sunday here on the Team 980. Tonight on the Team 980, though, it is Wizards and Cavs, which means it's time for us to welcome in Dave Johnson. Time to get the radio party started. Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now. Foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh. That'll jar your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hawkman Show. Hey, hey, you better go as Jerry Rice walks by behind us, uh, it is time to welcome Dave in. Dave, anybody, is Glenn walking by? Like, I well, got Jerry yeah. Rice. Who do you got? He, <laughs> game, set, match, Craig Hoffman. That's, I mean, I don't know what, what am I doing on your shoulder? I mean, I just, you just had Kevin Blackstone on, which, by the way, is a great segment. And you've got He's all these great. people coming on. Uh, it reminds me, I was asked to speak at a, at a club dinner and, and like, the month after was Tim Kirchin, and I think the month before was uh, yeah, Len Elmore. I, I mean, it's just like, all right, wait a minute. You, you know, they were, you were so desperate. You called me. We got we got to fill September somehow. So, uh, and I really, I I'm ill prepared. I'm not even bringing you gifts because you're in Las Vegas. I don't. I've already done hats and bobbleheads, and uh, so I, I feel uh, I'm I'm grateful that you're still talking to me after. Uh, the stars started lining, but nothing Please, more than I Dave, expected. Come no, on, no, 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 I, I need, no. no we need the Dave Johnson no. self-esteem to get up here. You're a legend, sir. Well, you, <laughs> you respect Dave. It, Dave, do you hear me? I want you to respect Dave. Right. Well, let me tell you something. Last night, you talk about uh, when when somebody says you're a legend, that means you you're old. That's all the way you say. <laughs> and it reminded me last night. I was hosting a uh, a dinner, and it was a great dinner with Will Dawkins. But we were also celebrating our, and this was the point of the dinner, our 30 year season ticket holders and who've been with, with us for 30 years consecutively wow. and it was it was just a great night uh but you know one of the uh, ticket people said wow 30 years that's as old as i as i am and i'm like oh great that makes me feel like i should go home and take a nap now because you know 30 years is half as old as i am so um but you know the takeaway is i try to bring this conversation back to something that should be a takeaway Will Dawkins had four phones on him because the trade deadline is coming up, and I'm not, I'm not kidding about that. Uh, and he was, he was, but he was talking to the 30-year supporters uh, that about that it's important not to, to cheat the process, and that's hard, and that's where we are right now uh, as a team. That that uh, it's not easy when you're nine and I don't nine and forty, I guess, right? I don't I don't even look uh, anymore because it's not about the record. It is about. The individual progress we're seeing, it is about how we finish the end of the season. And, and uh, you know, Will Dawkins is very confident, and so is Michael Winger, and what they do because they've done it uh, before, and they believe it's going to happen in the Wizards. And I thought um, he made a great statement last night to the fans. Somebody asked, you know, where do you hope, uh, you know, we are in four or five years. Look, you can't predict, or three or four years, whatever the question was. But he says he hopes 
that when the draft comes up, people start saying, well, that's a Wizards player. Well, that's a Wizards player. The point being that there's an identity created here with the Wizards. In other words, we do it now with some teams. Uh, I'm not talking about the specific player you draft, just the type of player. Right, and right, we, right. Say it, we say it all the time. That, well, well, that player would be great in San Antonio because of San Antonio's identity and culture. And that's that's the point of this of this journey. It, it's just that we are, and this is why it was so special to be with people that have been with us uh, for 30 years and continue to be with us because they understand what's, what's going on and they understand you can't cheat the process. And point being, in other words, if, if we get into three months next season, I don't think we're going to be playoff contending team but that that doesn't mean right away you, you do everything to become a playoff contending team because that's that's not that's not the trajectory you're on it's we're not on a 10-year plan either i don't want to right there's right. a but but again and that's a delicate balance as well was talking about it. you don't cheat what you define as the process yeah uh now this probably is not the most pertinent question off of that very important and i think insightful uh story you just gave us dave but if i'm an opposing general manager in the league and will's got four phones how do i know which one to call right (laughs) well you know i think uh that's a good that's a good question i guess maybe he gave out different i am not kidding about that four cell phone story Oh, i don't Uh, doubt it so uh it it it, not a joke i i think maybe it's just you know if you're Will Dawkins or, or anybody who's an NBA general manager, if the deal of the century is coming, uh, you don't want it to start can't be with dead. It. Can't, yeah, can't, phone can't be dead. You got to no, have backups, or, or you have to, have, or you don't want the the, the conversation to start at the tone. Please leave your message. I mean, that's, yeah, no, that's no, no, not no. the way the deal of the century starts. But um, you know, we'll uh, have to have him on the show. I, we're hoping to have either he or uh, Michael on right. later this week, which is kind of our annual tradition here. Uh, all two years of the show, we've been able right. to get uh, the general manager after the trade deadline. Right. So if we do that, I'm going to pocket that. Anthony, please write that down. I need to ask how they knew which phone to call. Or if we get Michael, does he also have four phones? All right. Uh, Sunday was uh, really uh, – first. it started as a great day, uh, if I'm being honest, Dave. Like – the, the, the tribute that the Wizards did for Brad was A-plus. The crowd gave a, a nice reception. And then he repaid this organization by having the best game he's had in Capital One Arena in quite some time. Dave, what was that from Bradley Beal? And did you find yourself uh, almost conflicted during it as someone who co- has covered so much of Brad's career? Well, uh, you know, I was happy. for I'm happy to see him healthy and, and right. doing well. And because, you know, we became – Friends, I don't mean like you know I'm stopping over to this house and hanging out, friends. But it was a, you know it was great to work with a working friendship. I, I should sure. put, put it out there. So I'm, I'm happy to see him healthy because he is a talent. He's somebody who works very hard, and it was on. And again, it started in Phoenix, as you know, not healthy, and you're thinking, oh gosh, you know he's really not going to catch a break. But um, you know I'm happy for him. Look, I, the, the reality is, especially you know we were down Kuzma, we were down Bagley, etc. And then okay, they've got <laughs> Booker. Uh, Duran and, and Bradley. So somebody was probably going to score 40. I hate to put it that way. But, and they, you know, this is where I'm not saying that it's easier. Well, it is easier on Phoenix uh, for Bradley Beal uh, because. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, okay, who are you going to cover or how are you going to do it or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that's why I used to say we need to celebrate what he's doing. And that's why when he was not an all star because we were losing. I understand, I understand that theory. Wow, we're not a losing, not a winning team, so why should be an all-star? Well, look what, what he's putting up 
when he's option one, two, and three on the, the opponent's scouting report, or certainly options one and two. So uh, just very happy for him because, look, we had some special times here. And, it's, you know, specifically that, that uh, you know, when, when we're about to get to the Eastern Conference and you're thinking, all right, we come back next year and everybody stays healthy. Look, health is always a big, big part of any uh, run. I, I tell people, you know, Oklahoma City's flying now, but last year when their top draft pick, Chet Holmgren's not playing at all. You know, do you think people were anxious? Yes, I remember being in Oklahoma City. They're thinking, "Wow, oh, did we draft the wrong guy, etc." So that's part of being, a, you know, a fan, specifically of the NBA. That there's anxiety, or, or what are Knicks fans going with Julius Randle? All of a sudden, goes down. So I'm happy for Brad. And and uh, you know, we played the Wizards. The Wizards played the Suns. It was a it almost pulled off an upset in Phoenix, but on that night. Uh, Devin Booker had a particularly off night until the fourth quarter when the, the Suns were able to win by one, four points. And Bradley didn't play, so you just at least were down to just, oh, by the way, Durant and Booker to deal with, which right. is, is not like saying, oh, wow, we get a free pass tonight. So, it's not playing uh, you and me, that's for sure. Right, no. So it, it, uh, but I'm happy. I'm happy for him. And uh, look, the, the, <laughs> The, the tough stretch, uh, but every every night's a, a tough stretch. I mean, Cleveland's the hottest team in the NBA right now. They've won 14 of 15, and the stat that jumps jumps out of me at, at that is that's a franchise record, and LeBron James has nothing to do with it. They were never 14-1 wow. and one with LeBron James, or, or won 14 of 15 games. So um, it's impressive what, what they're doing. And again, you know, when teams like Cleveland or Orlando, whoever comes in, you, you know, yes, you can uh, turn it around and get moving in the right direction with the right moves, with the right draft picks. And that's, you know, that's what Cleveland's done as well. Uh, Dave's got the pregame coming up in, oh, God, uh, I can't do math anymore, Dave. It's it's it's, it's soon. Coming it's, it's, coming it's 18 up. minutes. There we yep. go. 18 minutes. Uh, Dave's got the pregame show here on the team at 980 Wiz and Cavs tonight. Uh, Dave, always appreciate your time, sir. Uh, we will talk to you later in the week and have a great call. Hey, listen, keep uh, keep doing the great stuff, and, and I'll be listening, and, and I look forward to talking to you next time. That sounds good. Thank you very much, sir. That is Dave Johnson with us live at the broadcast booth at Capital One Arena. We are live on Radio Row, wrapping up uh, day one of our Super Bowl 58 coverage next. All right, we are wrapping up from Radio Row in Las Vegas on the Hoffman Show. Team 980 always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where if you're watching, you see Grant Paulson taking a seat next to me. He's been next to me the whole time. He was just over there because they literally got us like one space, and then it comes to two tables, so we just we just split it. About three feet apart. Yeah. Uh, but we make it work. We're a That's, big, happy family. Hold, hold on one second before we say that. Is that is that Antonio Gibson and Deami Brown that just walked in? Uh, yes, actually. It looks that way. It does. I wonder what they're doing here. I think I think we should probably go find out at some point. That seems like something that I need to be doing for us, yes. Uh, so, if you, I mean, if you want to go chase them down, you can. We were going to have a fun little recap of our days, but yes. some, someone should probably go see what uh, two people, who one of whom is still under contract, uh, is going to do. So, if you want to go do that. one of whom is a free agent. Yeah. Well, uh, let me, I'm going to text our... Where's our guy? Our, here's your I'll get phone. a guy on it. How yeah, you, we, we, get, we can get a guy on it. Uh, I, I was like, I think that was Deami. That's AG. That's that's kind of what Radio Row is. Did you have any wacky uh, just someone joins you on the spur of the moment uh, interview today? We had Justin Pugh that way. I think he was supposed to actually be with you. Right. And then you had Lombardi, who we had also had. Yeah. And then so I wound up with Pugh. But that's actually – I honestly, I feel like that's appropriate, Grant, because Justin Pugh and I were classmates at Syracuse. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, very cool. 
Uh, Pugh's a great guy, by the way. Yeah. I covered him at the Senior Bowl when he was coming out from Syracuse. His agent's actually a local guy in the Virginia area um, who's been uh, representing NFL players for many years, went to Virginia Tech. But uh, Pugh's just an awesome dude. He had his viral moment, you know, to get off yeah. the ca- straight off the couch. Right. And now he's here representing based on that. Yes. Uh, which is really, really cool. But, um, no, it's been a fun day. We had a great show, man. Dan Orlovsky's awesome. Yeah, Dan's great. Uh, he's hard to get on the air, but uh, today we got him, which was really cool. And you know what I really enjoyed? Um, we talked about the college quarterback prospects with Danny Cannell. Yeah. Right now, having the number two overall pick for Washington, my intrigue and fascination and kind of my obsession is studying these quarterback prospects. And for me, like, you can watch the games, whatever. I'm not a scout. So I just like talking to people who have studied them, and he just got done doing a pretty deep dive, so that was cool. Which was there one that he liked more than the others? He really likes Drake May. Interesting. Um, we had three college or, or quarterback type analysts on today. All three of their top guy was a different guy. Orlovsky believe it or had... not. Orlovsky is a uh, Caleb Williams guy. Yeah. Um, and then we had um, a third analyst today who said Jaden Daniels over Caleb Williams, which I found really interesting. I think that is going to be a take that takes off in the next couple of weeks because, like, Caleb's 23 tape is not right. great. Um, like, I, it's still real. Like, all the stuff that makes him him, right, is all there on the tape, right? Again, I'm also not a scout, but I watch and I know a little bit, uh, as of you as someone who's been on the beat and known so many good, you know, coaches over the years that Grant and I have been lucky enough to, to talk to and, and learn from. So, like, you know, it's not like we don't know nothing when we watch. And you see the stuff from, from Caleb where he just runs around and makes plays, and you're like, there aren't five guys in the league that can do that. Right. That seems worth drafting. Don't you think he is going to be a really hard grade? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I will watch his games, just watching them back, watching what's available. And when he's out of structure off schedule, there's a lot of no, 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 yes stuff. Yes. But, I mean, there are there just aren't people on the planet that can do it. And that's the whole point. Like, everyone, you know, throws Mahomes out there. Well, it's because no one else can really do some of the stuff that he can do. But here is my shortcoming, maybe. Like, my proclivity is I really like guys who are on schedule a lot. I just I'm, – I'm old school in that way. And you don't need to major in that, but you need to be able to do it at a high level. And yeah. that's going to be the big question for me with Caleb Williams. The more I watch Jaden Daniels, the more I really like him in that way. Same. I just don't know. My two issues with him are size. I, I'm petrified about his length, uh, which is fine, but it's the – the width part, you know. Right. He's so long that he is not sturdy. Did you see Cam Newton here today? Uh, no, but I've seen Cam in person before. He is an unbelievably big guy. Yes. Justin Fields is not a particularly tall guy that's like takes you back. But, he but takes, he's yeah. very thick. You know, the, the Daniels body to me is a lot more like um, almost like a Robert Griffin, but taller, almost yeah. stretched he's a, out. He's a little thicker than RG was, but yeah. like not much. It's similar to um, me. I will tell you, my, my first ever – seeing Cam Newton's story live because you know I grew up in the Carolinas like my right, family right. had season tickets and we had, our tickets were up there like I think it was section 535 at, at they do the 500 table. bit there I've yeah. had those seats yeah it's it's not bad um but I remember like realizing from the 500s that that dude was big and also I didn't realize just how strong his arm was because he's throwing in warm-ups and I just hear a thump and I'm like what was that 
and I, he throws another pass, and I realize I'm in the 500s, and I'm hearing the thump of the ball hitting the receiver's chest plate. Yeah, I believe that. Like, that is how big and strong that dude is. And then when I was covering Washington, going to Carolina and giving, you know, five feet away from Cam Newton, you realize, like, that is that is a different dude. It's, it's, it's just a whole – and the reason I bring him up is to say, like, that is a dual-threat type quarterback who took a licking. And I think he never got calls he deserved by the way. Yeah. Part of it was because of, of how, theory going on exactly, how big he was, and it's just like, well, I'm not going to defend that guy. I should defend the guy that he just ran into. Right. But I worry about the size with Jaden Daniels, and I am, I shouldn't do this, but I'm starting now the last couple years with guys that haven't succeeded, Mac Jones among them, to like, if you have a ton of talent around you in college, I don't want to penalize you, but it just makes me think more. And those two LSU wide receivers, both of them are going to go in the first round. Yep. Both of them were outstanding. Like, statistically, this is a number that PFF dropped the other day. There was nobody in college football who threw to more open receivers 20-plus yards downfield than Jaden Daniels. So there's something to be said for a lot of those big-time highlight throws, which are beautiful, are to open receivers. It's not to say he can't be great. So those are just my, my worries I, about him. I think him. the hard part when you talk about it being a hard scout is, like, do you reward him for putting those balls on the money because he does with consistency? Or right. do you be like, ah, well, any quarterback can make that throw? And I think what you see in the league, though, I will say this, like, for where I sit on it is I reward making the throw. Because how often do we see big plays, which we know are so critically important to winning games, get thrown by the wayside because a quarterback misses something totally. they shouldn't? And, and what, so what's the opposite of, like, if I'm going to take away because the guy was open, what's the opposite? Well, it's Drake May where it's like guys aren't often open or the offense yeah, isn't very throw good. Guys open. And guess what? I don't feel better about him for that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So if I'm going to ding Jaden Daniels, it's not like I'm putting a check mark with Drake May. So I, I don't know. It, it's It's – it is a decision that I would both love to and hate to make, right? Yeah. Because sitting two in this class, I don't think they're going to move up. It is certainly possible. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think they should, but they could. Let's. But sitting two, I think, is an um, unbelievable possibility for Adam Peters because you've got a little bit of everything. As I like to say to Danny, the, the store is called Quarterbackville. You know, it's like Food Lion and, and – you know, a giant, it's quarterback store. And then there's different aisles. Right. Jaden Daniels is on the same aisle as like a Lamar or whatever. The, the, the aisle I would typically shop on is the Drake May aisle. But, man, am I tempted to go, you know, scan a, a bag of the Jaden Daniels. You right. know? Like, oh. I really might snag one of those and throw it in the cart. Uh, but it was just fascinating. It was so funny today. I would not have thought of this. But three different guys, including Brian Jones was the other one of CBS, and all three of their number one guy was different. And I kind of thought the consensus for everyone was going to be Caleb Williams. And it just that wasn't the case so far today for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, Robert Mays started the show with us from the Athletic. His boy Nate Tice is big on May. Um, uh, talking to different people, you Nate's get all kinds of different too. stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the one thing that I take out of the various interviews today, I mean, we, we had DQ today, so that was, that was obviously our That's big great. thing. Um, if you missed the interview with Dan, Q, Dan Quinn, check out the Hoffman Show podcast. Uh, you can catch it there. But I think outside of that, the biggest takeaway for, for me today is I, feel, I continue to feel better about Cliff. Like, the more people I talk to, the more just are just like, that dude's really smart. Like, it's smart in the ways that it matters in this league. And it's not just, everyone wants to be like, hey, he's just a pretty face and he wows people in the interviews. People get lost in his eyes and his hair. And it's like, no, that dude's a grinder. Like, he, he, there is something to that that I do wonder if he maybe lacks some of the people skills or has yet to apply the people's skills to be the successful head coach. But as a coordinator, I, 
I think the stuff that he's good at can work. I still have questions, and we're not going to get answers till the fall. But, like, the more people I talk to, the better I feel about Cliff. Did you watch Hard Knocks with the Cardinals? Yes, I did. I did, too. I came away really liking Cliff Kingsbury. Same, and I didn't want to. I didn't really go in with any kind of proclivity, but, like, I, I, I went in uh, being skeptical of him because he, I just don't think the results have been there. I really liked him. I kind of think he's introverted. I'd, I'd have to talk to him, but, like, he is yeah, very quiet. He is very soft-spoken. He does not in any way – Kyle Shanahan has some of these traits, having covered him. Yeah. But like, he does not come off as a McVay – like, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury, while he is, to your point, like, a good-looking guy who you're like, who's that guy? He is not going to walk into Radio Row and just, like, take the room over or kill in, in just this setting where you're going table to table. Right. Whereas Sean McVay, by the end of the interview, you're like, oh, I want to have a beer with this guy tonight. Right. I don't think he has that kind of quality. But I loved him in Hard Knocks because he, when he's around guys, they bond over ball. Like, that, that is yeah. a X and O robot. Uh, I am whelmed. I'm not, like, thrilled about the hire. I'm certainly not disappointed. I'm really yeah. curious about the rest of his staff. Same. I want to know, Same. who's your O-line coach? Who's your quarterback's coach? Are, are you layering this thing with really sharp young people? Um, those are the things for me that are going to, like, Everyone keeps wanting this hard opinion. I just don't have it yet. Yeah, I- I'm Which fine. Is, by the way, how I feel about DQ in a lot of ways, um, how I feel about a lot, basically this entire operation outside yeah. of Adam Peters. It's um, a lot of incompletes, right? It's yeah, great. for sure. Um, we have, let's see, we have 65 seconds left in the show. Uh, radio, hard outs, you know the deal. Look at all your uh, fancy camera stuff. Yeah, I know. We, we, we try to do as much as we can over here uh, <laughs> with, with whatever they give us, which is, well, I'm not going to get fired in the final uh, 65 seconds. How much seconds do they give you? Show. Tell us more. Uh, nope. I, they, they give me okay. uh, the ability to submit the things to sit here, and that's, that's what we're asking for. Good. Um, I would say the quote of the show for me actually came from DQ about Cliff. He said he's a rare competitor, and that I was like, ooh, I like that. So circle back on that another time. Uh, in the final 35 seconds of the show, who do you got tomorrow? Uh, I'm excited. We're talking to Tony Khan tomorrow, which is really cool. Interesting. Uh, runs AEW and yeah. super analytically driven. He's behind True Media, uh, so I'm a really big fan of his yeah. work analytically. Also, Will Compton. I caught up with him today. We're going to play the interview tomorrow. Told a lot of great stories about his time in Washington. So that's really fun. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good show. Yeah, it should be a fun time tomorrow. So uh, if you're driving around, flip between the two stations. Of course, we love you uh, as much as we can here on the Team 980 GP over on the fan. Signing off day one, Radio Row. Wizards basketball is next.